Hey Jazz fans, this is Jack Hamblin, and you are listening to Utah Jazz Weekly, a podcast for every fan of the Utah Jazz. Every week I have a ton of fun writing and recording these episodes for you guys, and of course I love talking about the Utah Jazz. If you guys would like, you can leave a rate and review on this podcast. That would really help me out a ton. Now, without any further ado, let's get into this week's episode. Hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Utah Jazz Weekly. This is, of course, your host, Jack Hamblin, here with another episode talking Utah Jazz with you guys. Um, We're closing up on the first half of the season here, um, and lots has happened this week. Uh, More news, of course, and this episode, we're just going to go over some questions. Um, We got power rankings to go over as well, so let's just get right into it. So as far as any headlines go for the Jazz... We have a little bit this week, not nearly as much as last week with all of the All-Star and second half of the schedule coming, but we do have um, some news that happened this week, whether it be headlines or just different rumors and things, and that's actually what this first one is, is a rumor from the Jazz, and not exactly from the Jazz, but just um, circling around the fan base, and that some people have thought... um, Basically, P.J. Tucker plays for the Houston Rockets. He is a, a pretty decent player, uh, older veteran. He's 36, had some really good years with Harden. He's killed us in some games. And a lot of people believe it would be beneficial for the Jazz to trade for P.J. Tucker before the trade deadline comes up in about three weeks from now. Um, this is a really interesting proposal because... If we look at the Jazz's roster and where we've gotten in the playoffs, we don't have a ton of playoff experience as far as the deeper rounds. Um, Nobody on our team has ever made a conference finals with the Jazz, and otherwise, I I don't think so either. Um, And so, yeah, no one's made a conference finals or a finals, of course, and Tucker is somebody that's been in a couple conference finals, so that experience can help out a lot. Um, his defense, I would say, is superior to Bogdanovich, and he's a pretty similar player to Bogdanovich, where it's a lot of threes, it's a lot of defense, he's not going to be your main guy, but, um, it's an interesting proposal. He's a a very good player, um, he is 36 years old, which is a little bit too old for, I think, the Jazz's timeline, and if we're looking at the now, he could be someone that's very valuable, and it would, of course, be up to how much the Jazz are willing to give up for Tucker. But I don't think it's a trade they should make. Our chemistry has been amazing so far this season. I don't think we have a lot of assets to trade away. This would probably have to involve either a decent amount of draft picks or you know one of our nine players who's been 9, 10, 11 players who have played effective minutes this season that would have to be traded away for Tucker. I don't think it's something that will happen. I don't think it's a move the Jazz should make. I think it it would increase the value of our team for this season on paper, but as far as the chemistry goes and as far as the Jazz's history, I don't think it's going to be a trade that's going to happen. Um I would welcome him to the Jazz. I think he's a he's a good player defensively. He's got a lot of good size to him. But the age doesn't exactly match with our timeline, and I don't think the values that Houston's looking for, because Houston is a huge rebuilding team. Um, they're kind of, um, they don't know their long-term plan 
and uh, if they're running with John Wall, who I would say is their best player right now, as their long-term solution, then possibly that could be their guy from here on out, but I don't really see them going with him as their their guy. You know, every team has their guy. Um, so I think they're looking for something more than we are willing to give for Tucker. So it's rumored that it could happen. It's possible. Jazz have been looking around. I don't, I don't, I wouldn't put too much stock into it, and I don't think it would happen. Um, a little bit on the negative side of what is occurring in the Jazz's franchise right now, um, our former GM, Dennis Lindsay, he has been allegated and is being, um, investigated by the NBA for some racist remarks to a former Jazz player, Elijah Millsap. Um, I don't know a ton about this, and... I usually don't get into this stuff too much. It, it's part of the sports world, of course, these kinds of things. Um, manager and ownership doing and making mistakes like these. It happens in a lot of franchises. I would be surprised if anything came out of it. I don't think Lindsay would do anything like that. Um, he never has shown a history of things like that. Anyone around him has... Um, anyone around him has stated that they would be surprised if he would have said something like this um elijah Millsap, the person who has came out and said that dennis Lindsay did do this is um this happened in 2015 and the only people in the room were dennis Lindsay and snyder and snyder has denied that it happened and other than that we have no idea i don't think i don't think he this actually happened and that's it. I mean, that's all I can say. As far as our history goes, I don't think it I don't think it has. We'll see what comes out of the investigation, but other than that, there there's been nothing that has come out to lead to it. So who knows? Who knows? Behind closed doors it's hard to know if one person's saying that and the other person saying the other thing. So um who knows? Snyder said he can't fathom in quotes, I can't he I can't fathom Dennis Lindsay saying something like this. So we'll see um, what comes out of it. It would be unfortunate if this came out as fact that he did say this because I think he's been a great uh, general manager. He's our current uh, vice president. So, um, yeah, we'll see what comes out of it. Hopefully it's investigated fairly and, and everything like that. Um, as far as um, official headlines and news goes, that's about it for the week. Um, every Monday, I the reason I like doing the podcast on Monday and the last couple of weeks we've done them on different days just because other stuff has come up for me and my schedule. But um, power rankings come out on Monday. So um, I think that's really fun to look at. And especially this season with the Jazz, I love looking at it. So if we look at some of the power rankings, Bleacher Report, I would put the Jazz at two right now below the Nets. And Bleacher Report has done the exact same thing as far as the top two goes for what I would do for power rankings. Um, the Nets are just crazy. I could, I could do a podcast comparing the two. Maybe I'll do a bonus episode with that, but the Nets are just Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, James Harden on one team. If you would have told me that three or four years ago, whew, sheesh, that is just a powerhouse. And like Kevin Durant hasn't even been playing lately. So, um, this would be my finals pick right now with the way everything's turning out. Um, it might be Jazz Brooklyn. I I would 
if I had to bet money, I'd bet Brooklyn would win it, and they're number one at the moment. But the Bleacher Report has the Jazz at number two. Um, we're very high in the West. That's something that they've noted, and that's true looking at the standings. And um, they just, of course, the Heat game set us back maybe a little bit, but I think that was a decent performance and a good loss that we'll talk about later. And, yeah, um, we'll see. We'll see what the other power rankings see now. So, yeah, they have the Jazz at 2, and then I think ESPN has the Jazz at 1, if I can take a look, if I remember that right. Um, I'd be so, I mean, I, I would put the Nets at 1, so let's see here. Yeah, they have the Jazz at 1. Conley has the best net rating in the league, they state. We outscore our opponents 16.6 points per 100 possessions each um we were undefeated in the seven games Conley missed and yeah I guess we're number one according to ESPN I would put us at, at um two behind the nets and then they have the Lakers at two they'll always have a bias towards the Lakers because they have LeBron and then um, Brooklyn at three so we're top three for sure top two according to most places um, those are really the only two power rankings I look at is ESPN and Bleacher Report. If we look at officialNBA.com, um, I think they had the Jazz at one as well. Yeah, they kept the Jazz at one. So, um, I would not put us above the Nets as far as the long term goes, but right now I would say we're playing better basketball than them because of health and other things like that, and the rest of our schedule is, is the eat easiest or second easiest in the league depending on how the rest of this first half of the season pans out so um yeah we are we are top one and two and it's it's awesome to see the media react this way to the jazz because they haven't always there's been times when we are really good and before this season none of the media expected the jazz to play as well as they have so it's it's good to see them finally recognize, and it's hard to ignore with the best record in the league and the way we've been playing. And, of course, we've been the healthiest team in the league. I think we're the best coach team in the league at the moment. So we'll see if we kind of cool off. We've been talking about that for a while. Um, a lot of people have been like, oh, the Jazz will cool off. Oh, this is just a fluke. I don't think it's a fluke. Um, I think this is the standard of caliber we need to be to be successful for the long term of this season and future seasons. So it is, um, it's great to see them recognize that. Um, as far as headlines, I guess you can count power rankings as a headline. They're kind of their own thing. But um, other than that, I just had a couple questions I have about the Jazz that I noticed in these last couple games that I thought would be interesting to discuss. The first one and this is not as strong as the other question I have, but Conley's health, um, is it a concern long-term for our team? It's interesting because you see a lot of people in the league resting, and we know load management is kind of a thing in these last couple years in the NBA. And the whole reason this question's brought up before I even get into it is um, because Conley rested against Orlando. So, and it's to his hamstring, um, like, precaution. 
playing back-to-back games, being on the road. Orlando's not as strong as the Pelicans or Sixers, and that's who we're playing this week. But if we look at, um, yeah, why why he rested, is this something to be concerned with? Is the wear and tear of the second half of the season and the playoffs something that Conley's hamstring is not going to be able to withstand? We won't really know until it happens, of course, like anything, but I think that it shouldn't be something to concern ourselves too much with, and the whole reason we are resting him in games like these is be- so it won't be a problem in the future. Um, back-to-back games, like I said, on the road, you want to be precautious because a ha- the hamstring and that kind of injury is something that could be very dangerous if you let it linger and you push the boundaries on it too much very smart decision by our front office we got the win anyway orlando's extremely injured two of their best players are out for the whole season so i think this was a smart move i think we need to manage it as we go the all-star break's coming up and he's not playing so he'll have plenty of time to rest that i just really hope that it's not a concern coming up for the second half of the season and the playoffs because the end of the season and the playoffs is the physically hardest time for um, an athlete in the NBA. It's the travel of playoffs, the intensity. It's just you've seen a lot of players get injured in the playoffs, and that can cost a team the series. I really hope that doesn't happen, and I think the actions that we are taking um, or that they're taking as a franchise is um, are smart to be able to manage that. So... Not something to be concerned with, but it is on my radar as a fan and as an analyzer because you never want lingering injuries, and I feel like a lot of players have them, and I'm glad our front office is treating it as it should be with concern and with um, precaution and wary. So yeah, Conley's health, hopefully not a problem in the future. As far as my other question goes, and it's been this way since he was drafted, Donovan Mitchell, I've never seen a player so night and day, first half and second half. And I thought it might have just been a struggle he had when he was young, and I wouldn't exactly call it, or younger in the league, not in his fourth year. And I wouldn't exactly call it a struggle, or but just like something that kind of holds him back as a player when he was younger. But why in the world <laughs> does Mitchell play such a different first and second half i haven't really seen this discussed too much and i don't see a ton of players that have it this way but he's so different first and second half um i need to pull up if i can find them his first and um second half comparisons this season so let's see here so donovan mitchell just because and we'll dive deep into it um, it's such a weird pattern of second and first half, and the reasoning behind it is interesting. What I think might be the reasoning behind it is pretty interesting. So, let's see here if we can find it. So, first half. Let's see here. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to find it, but 
It's possible. I think Basketball Reference should have it. Um, let's see here. Nonetheless, if I can't find it, we all know that. I mean, if you've watched the Jazz, basically any game, Donovan has a very, very different first half compared to a second half. Almost every game he's played in the NBA is that way. So it's just so weird, and I've I want to question the reasoning behind it, and I'd love to just you know ask Donovan myself or ask somebody that kind of has tracked it more um, themselves because it's it's very interesting. Let's see here if we can find it. Um, it's not looking like I can find it. Basketball Reference is like my go-to for stats, but I can't find it on here. Yeah, but anyway, we can still discuss um, the reasoning behind it without the stats behind it, because even without the numbers, every Jazz fan and every Jazz viewer knows that Donovan's first versus second half is just so different. And I think there's probably a few reasons behind this. The first is that he, I think he's such a mental player. And just like, you know, we talk about the killer mentality and Michael Jordan was a killer and these players, they just were out for the blood of the game. And I mean, to kind of exaggerate, um, and they were just out to just to defeat you and beat you down as an opponent. And I think Donovan kind of has a part of that mentality in him in a smarter and more strategic way that he is able to break down a defense in the first half to just completely do a lot of things different and adjust it in the second half. And it's interesting to see if this is a liability or is this a um, advantage because if he's not having a great first half and then he has a great second half, if we played that way for both halves, we might have had some better games and a result of it. But then at the same time, it's good that he doesn't have a f the same first half in the second half. You can kind of look at it those two ways. So the reasoning behind it, I think, is just because of the way he adjusts his game and strategizes and analyzes the defense in the first half versus, versus the second. I think his style of play is very patient is very, like I said, mentally reliant and focused. And that's kind of changed in the last two years and this season even more is that he's a lot more mental. You see in the way, and it's not like a worse or better thing, but like you see in the way Jordan Clarkson plays, it's not a lot of thinking. He just goes. He's like, I mean, Thurl Bailey's kind of given him this nickname, the flamethrower. He just comes in. His eyes are almost at the rim the entire time he has the ball in his hands. He's dribbling a ton every time he touches the ball. He had that awesome highlight against the Magic where he just dropped somebody and then flicked the ball in. Um, and it's just amazing the way he does that. But it's very different from the way Donovan holds the ball. Donovan takes the ball, and this is kind of leader of the team versus microwave player off the bench. But Donovan takes the ball, he's very patient with it, a few passes here and there before it gets back to him, delays his dribble a little bit, and then maybe drives to the rim or pulls back for a three. It's very it's very thought out. I don't think a lot of Clarkson's possessions are super thought out. They are both very successful in the way they play, but that difference, I think, has to do with Donovan's second half play. He's more patient, he's more thorough, He's more analytical in the way he plays the game. I hope 
that um, he can adjust this to maybe after the first quarter or just the first a little bit of the game to just turn it on for the rest of the game because we know he turns it on if it's close in the second half but I think aggression needs to come a little bit more from him in the first half to emulate his success in the second I love how unselfish he is I love his playmaking his floor general style this season but you know he's our best offensive player and I think by as far as scoring and everything like you could say Rudy and the shots he creates uh, is our best offensive player but as far as scoring and getting to the basket and the versatility and everything I would say Mitchell is our best offensive player and sometimes he just needs to be more aggressive in that way I think he's done a very good job of not playing foolish like he was in the past maybe his rookie season or the season after that and that he can really like I said be patient distribute the ball like he needs to he's averaging way more assists this season than I thought he would he's over five I think he's at like five and a half and it's just been um it's been really great the way he's playing that way but I just think a little bit more aggression from the get-go would benefit our team a lot but we'll see it's definitely his style of play to play better in the second half than the first and I was just I I just wanted to discuss the reasoning behind that so I don't know if it's turning it on when he needs to and when he feels like he should or if it's just that he takes time to analyze the defense, maybe a combination of both, but I just thought that was very interesting. So um, that's uh, the two questions I had that I was just brainstorming today, what to talk about on the podcast. So um, that's about it as far as news and that goes. So um, we're coming up on the last half of the or the last little stretch of the first half it's an an amazing first half um i'm probably gonna do two episodes between in the all-star break because next monday if we look at our schedule next monday we have obviously we don't have a game and then the monday after that um i don't think we have one either if I look at this right, because we have a game on the 3rd this Wednesday, and then we have a game on the um, 12th, which is the Rocket. So we do have, so next Monday, I'll reflect on the first half, and then we'll talk about the second half a little more. Maybe we'll do two episodes next week, one on Monday, one on Thursday, talking about everything, but yeah. Um, next Monday, I'm going to go over the first half a little more, but just to talk about it now, it's been an incredible first half nothing I would have suspected to happen has happened really obviously I knew the Jazz were going to be good but I didn't think 27 and 7 for the first half so far we still have two games left to play and we'll preview those a little bit later but man 27 and 7 for the first half has just been incredible and some of those losses were pretty silly losses if you look back at it too we I mean we lost to Minnesota who's 7 and 28 literally the opposite of us as far as wins and losses go so um yeah it's been an amazing first half I hope we can keep it going in the second and we've kind of cooled down a little bit without losing we've we I mean we're still winning games so um yeah amazing first half completely changed my mindset about the Jazz this season completely changed my expectation for the good or for the better (laughs) um they've changed it so 
it's it's been amazing and i'll reflect more on that and the success of it and things um next episode but as far as looking at this past week since the last episode um we completely um beat out the lakers i believe last episode was if i look back before that game i was previewing that game hopefully so or else my timeline's a little bit off um let's see here because i don't want to react to a game i've already reacted to in a past episode of course and i can't remember if i i remember talking about it i just can't remember if i reacted to it so yeah it was on wednesday and the game was on wednesday so yeah i previewed it before the game so reacting to that lakers game it was a game i expected us to win of course because they're two of their three best players were hurt or COVID out same thing as hurt didn't play um but i didn't expect it to be just an, an entire beat down lebron doesn't really get beat down like this super often even when he is shorthanded other than that first season with the lakers which was an interesting season if we look back on it, but we won't. Um, but yeah, one a win one fourteen to eighty nine. It didn't even look like the Lakers knew what they were doing on the court. The Jazz completely beat them out of the gym, and I mean, just an all around performance. Nobody had like an incredible amount of points. Um, yeah, it was just an amazing all around performance for us. And defensively, I mean, they couldn't get anything. So, um, really good win there. I don't hold a lot of stock in it because, like I said, two of their three best players were hurt. But to beat them that badly just shows a little bit of a, a mentality switch for the Jazz that we are going to, like, beat you bad even with your people out. Because now, the next time we play you, we know we can, like, compete with you when your people are back. So, coming off a really hot win, and then we hit the road... And we fall to a very close game, much closer than it seemed on the scoreboard because we lost by eight. But it was, um, it was like one six. It was like tied with a minute left, and then foul shots increased that. Let me see here. Towards the end of the game, and then I'll kind of talk about this game more. It was, yeah, with two minutes left, it was one seventeen, one fifteen for us, and then we lost one twenty four, one sixteen. So. Um, it was a rough ending for sure, but overall a good game. And this was a, this is a really good team. When I saw some people react to this, like, oh, this was such an awful jazz loss. This was a finals team. And, um, they've, they've been playing good when everyone's healthy. So, um, they played like they did in the playoffs last year. I think they're kind of reviving that kind of game. And yeah, they just played really great. And so did we, but when it was all said and done, they played the last two minutes and we really didn't play the last two minutes like I said we only scored one point and it was a Mitchell free throw so um a, my favorite thing about this game and the largest takeaway from it is that um the coaching in the game was a really fun coaching matchup Quinn Snyder versus Eric Spolkstra the heat coach legendary heat coach uh, the finals with the the Heatles, as they're called, the big three they had were amazing, and he his run last year to the finals was amazing. So a really good coaching matchup. You saw a lot of adjustments defensively from either coach because to start the game, it was a pretty high scoring. It was 30-26 to 26 to end the first. And I think the halftime score, let's look at the halftime score here, was 
57-53, so kind of cooled down in the second quarter. But as far as the coaching went, um, lots of defensive adjustments. Both of them switched to a zone that the Jazz don't run super often, the 2-3 zone that they did. Um, and it and it worked very effectively throughout the game. And um, we just got out-efforted and outplayed at the end of the day. Not a lot of our players shot amazing. A lot of the shots didn't fall, especially Clarkson. He was 3-for-12 from 3, and of course we always wanted to keep shooting, but those just didn't fall the way we would want them to. And then Butler had 33 points, 10 rebounds, 8 assists. We He really took over that game, especially in the fourth quarter, and played it really amazing. So a really good coaching matchup. I wish we could see them again because they're a really fun team to play against. Um, just an all-around, all the matchups and everything, they're super fun to play against. It was a really fun game to watch, to watch despite the loss. And so, yeah, um, an unfortunate loss. I wish we could have pulled it out there in the end. But we split the series with them. We beat them on the 13th of February. And, yeah, um, not a sad win. Um, a pretty good win as far as the effort went and the coaching went through a majority of the game. But... To finish games in that way is not something you can do, especially in the playoffs. So to be able to have somebody to create and and score for us when we need to other than Donovan in the home stretch is something that I think needs to be adjusted. Maybe having Clarkson playing some final minutes if needed and um, just some other things like that, something to look at. And then... On Saturday, we bounced back with a really good win against the Magic, a game we should have won, and a game that was very competitive throughout the first half, and I was a little nervous about watching because um, it um, it wasn't going as well as I would have hoped in the first half, but we pulled out with the win. Donovan had 31, which is really amazing, and these are just the games that Donovan really plays his best. When it's a depleted team, not a good defensive team, that Mitchell just plays amazing. And I just want to give props to Nikola Vucevic on the Magic. He is an incredible player this season, way deserving of the All-Star. He had 34 points, 5 for 7 from 3, 8 rebounds. I mean, he played incredible. So he he was doing amazing. He kind of did whatever he wanted on the court <laughs> with us defending him. And, I mean, he can add a lot of value to a team. So he had a great performance, but them being depleted and us coming off of that loss to the Heat, I think we were just a lot hungrier for the win and just outplayed them as far as the depth of our roster goes and other things like that. Oni had a great game, too. Um Really good game from Oni, hit two threes, had a good plus-minus of seven, which was the fifth highest on our team. So for our ninth man, having the fifth highest plus-minus is a pretty good jump up there and just hit some threes at really good times to hit them. So it's awesome to have that depth when Conley's rested. Like I said, he rested for this game to manage the hamstring, and it's just sweet to have that kind of depth, to have someone to come in and still be effective like that. And, you know, this game was just not, like, one of the most exciting of the year, but it was super close, and Donovan played amazing. The kind of games that I just love watching Donovan. So, um, yeah, it was good stuff. Good magic game. And their court is really interesting there in Orlando. Patterned is, like, a hip hypnotizing type of thing, so pretty interesting. And then we have the two games this week before the All-Star break. 
and the All-Star game and the weekend, not weekend day, where they do everything is going to be next Sunday. Um, so you can tune in to watch that with Donovan and Rudy, and that'll be a really fun one. I'm really looking forward to that. And then, yeah, so today we are playing the Pelicans, and we've beat them twice this season. We had a little mini road trip, I believe, or they came here for a little road trip. Maybe not. I think we've just played them twice. Yeah, they came here for a road trip, and we beat them very well both times. That was, like, in the middle of our hot streak, and that was an amazing game. And then that was the Warriors game, and we really took over. <laughs> so... I have very high confidence we'll win this game tonight. I think we play well against the Pelicans. Um, it is in New Orleans, and a really cool thing with that is that Carl Malone's son plays for LSU, and he said he's going to be rocking his dad's jersey at the game tonight, so it'll be awesome to see him there. And then, yeah, it should just be a really good game. The Pelicans have kind of turned things around this season a little bit. But they're still really struggling. They've lost their last two. They lost a close one to Milwaukee and then a close one to the Spurs. So they've definitely been more competitive as of late. And I think that um, it'll be a really competitive game. Zion is obviously playing very amazing lately. And it's going to be really up to Rudy um, to see if see if he can contain him. And, the, and being defensive against this team is really the key because they have a pretty high-powered offense with everything. Um, so it, it'll be interesting to see how we match up with them defensively, if there's some adjustments that need to be made like there was with the Heat. They play a little bit similar to the Heat as far as a, kind of a mid-range, get-to-the-paint kind of game. Not a ton of threes fallen for the Pelicans. And J.J. Redick's not playing, so... Um, definitely not a lot of threes for them tonight. So it'll be up to Rudy, it'll be up to Royce, um, to really contain Zion and Brandon Ingram in the key. Um, I think as far as defensively, though, it's really hard for New Orleans to keep up with a team like us, and, um, I think that, I think that tonight will be a, be a pretty surefire win, especially coming off kind of still, I think that Miami loss, especially the ending, still kind of has a bad taste in the mouth of some of our players so we kind of bounced back with the magic game but this being more competitive than that i think it'll be a really good road game um there's no pelicans players that used to play for the jazz and favors played for them last season i don't think they have a ton of emotional attachment to him so um it's not going to be some grand return where they like make a video and show it, but I mean, I'm sure some players will be talking to him that made relationships with him last season, so that'll be that'll be cool to see. And then on Wednesday, we probably have the biggest game of the season to finish off the first half of the season, um, and that is against the top team in the East, the Philadelphia 76ers. So... This game is going to be an insane game on Wednesday. Um, we played this team before, of course, on February 15th, just a couple weeks ago. Three weeks ago from today, I believe. Or two weeks ago from today. And it is such a hard game to predict. And it's going to be a very amazing game. Uh, this is going to be a possible finals matchup for the Jazz and the Sixers, this, these teams could meet in the finals. I wouldn't predict it, but they're definitely contenders from each conference. And it's going to be incredible. The 76ers are 
hopefully at full health, I guess Tobias Harris doesn't look like he'll be playing. Um, he has a slight knee injury, so they're not going to have who's probably their third best player on the court. But the combination of Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons is very great. Defensively, they're incredible. Possibly the best defensive duo in the league. But um, offensively, a little limited, but still very elite. I love watching Rudy face Embiid. Um, I love it when we get elite centers against our team because I just love the Rudy matchup to see them go toe-to-toe. I love playing Jokic, Carl Anthony Towns, Embiid, Adebayo. Love watching those, so I'm very excited to see Embiid and Rudy go toe-to-toe with each other. And it's just going to be a, a great test because, of course, we played the Lakers, and then when we played the Clippers at full health, we lost by four. It was a good game, but ended up losing. And we've beaten the Bucks both times, and they were at pretty much full strength. But it's been a while since this team has had a very true test and won it. Um, I would probably say ever since the Milwaukee game back on Friday, February 12th, was like a team that was at full strength, a great team that was fully healthy, that we won. And I really hope that's Wednesday for the Jazz. Probably the biggest game of the first half, definitely top three biggest game in the first half because, I mean, there's still doubters out there, and I still have some doubts too about this team and their ability to go to the finals. But a great performance against a team like Philadelphia, and it would just be an amazing way to end the first half, perfectly encapsulate how the first half of the season's gone, and um, just a really great game to look forward to Wednesday. One of the games of the year, depending on how we play. Even if we lose, as long as it's competitive, I really hope we win. Philadelphia is my least favorite team in the league. Ben Simmons bugs me because of his, you know, the rookie of the year with Donovan. The Jazz don't really love Ben Simmons. And then Embiid can be a little bit annoying sometimes with his antics. And I don't love Doc Rivers. That's their coach. So a lot of things I don't love about this team. Philadelphia fans are known in sports as some of the worst, one of the worst fan cities out there. So it's interesting to see how they'll play against what is probably my least favorite team in the NBA. Um, It's going to be away, which is just another testament to the difficulty. And then it's at the end of this road trip. Again, another testament to the difficulty. Um, The keys to this game really are Rudy's matchup with Embiid and then how well Donovan can play with Simmons guarding him. And those are just two killer matchups in the league, some of the best guard defensive matchups in the league because Simmons will be guarding Mitchell, but then Royce will definitely be guarding Simmons. So um, it's going to be a really great game to analyze. I could probably do a whole episode after it just reviewing and reacting to it. So um, tune in for that one if you can, because it's going to be awesome. Five o'clock Wednesday, March 3rd. It's going to be a very, very good game against Philadelphia. And as far as our schedule goes, that's it. That's the end of the first half. We're 50% done with the season after this Wednesday. And it is, it's been a great first half, like I said. And then the All-Star game on Sunday will be fun. Donovan in the three-point contest. And then Donovan and Rudy on All-Star teams, possibly separate teams. And then Snyder coaching the LeBron-leaded team will be amazing to watch on Sunday. So tune in for that. And I think that's going to be about it for me today, guys. Um, go ahead and follow the Instagram page if you're not at utah.jack or jazz weekly, utah.jazzweekly, and then give this a like and a, or give this a rate and a review. 
if you would like, if you enjoyed the episode, and I think that's going to be about it today, so enjoy the rest of your week, enjoy these two games, very good games this week against New Orleans and Philadelphia, finishing off the road trip and finishing off the first half of the season. Um, It's getting a little bit warmer, at least it is here in Utah, so enjoying that warmth. Um, Have a good rest of your week, and I will see you guys all next Monday, talking about the All-Star Game, some other things, so it should be a really good episode. Um, That'll be it for me, so see you guys later. Peace.